Savannah, let's all stand together as our choir comes down. Well, Matthew chapter number 28. Matthew chapter number 28 is where we're going to look for just a little while. Uh, this message this morning may be a little more of a teachable uh, message, but it's one of those needed, necessary messages along the lines. Uh, I guess Wednesday night we hit a little bit um, on, on the importance of church membership. And uh, today we're going to talk a little bit. Of course, we've got a baptism here right after the service. And we're going to deal with that subject this morning. What does the Bible say? There's a lot of misconceptions. Uh, there's a lot of, lot of falsehoods when it comes to water baptism, what folks say. And we want to see what the Lord has to say. I hope you're not interested really in what I have to say, but I hope you're interested in what God has to say uh, in His Word because He has a lot to say about the subject of baptism. And we're going to look at that today. Of course, you come in. This is Faith Community Baptist church. We're associated of the Baptist faith. Well, what does that really mean? Well, we're going to look at some of those reasons this morning. Uh, I believe it's the closest, um, I guess you could say, denomination that's lined up with the Word of God. That's why I'm a Baptist today. I would be something else if it lined up closer to the Scripture. But we're Baptists, and we believe in water baptismal. What does that mean, preacher? Well, we're going to try our best to explain that today. You know, when the Lord Jesus, just remember this, that Jesus, we know He died on the cross. He did not die for His sin. He died for my sin, your sin, the sin of the whole world. He was perfect. He was without blemish. He was without spot. And He was crucified on a cross, there was no guile found in his mouth. There was no error, no sin whatsoever. That's the fundamental difference between Jesus and us. But thank God he took my penalty. He took my place on an old rugged cross. We sing songs about that quite often. We just sung about the blood of Jesus. You know, I'm not redeemed by water baptism. I'm not redeemed by church membership. I'm not redeemed because I tithe. I'm redeemed because one day I realized I was a sinner and I 
understood that I was going to die in my sin one day and I'd end up in a place called hell if I didn't get saved. But thank God somebody told me, and it was a leather-lung Baptist preacher, by the way, that proclaimed the Word of God to me that lets me know that there was a Savior that, that left the splendors of heaven and clothed himself in man, came to this world, suffered, bled, and died for my sin. They was buried, and three days later, hallelujah to God, he rose again victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And after he rose again, the Bible teaches us that for 40 days in a glorified body, he walked around here on planet Earth. And then after that 40-day event, in Acts chapter number 1, he ascended up. In Acts chapter 1, remember those two men that stood by in shining garments? Everybody was looking up as Jesus ascended up into heaven. They said, why stand you gazing up into heaven? For this same Jesus which you've seen taken up into heaven shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go up. But right before he ascended, he gave a commission. He gave a mandate. It wasn't a suggestion. It was a command. Well, what did he tell the church? And we make up the church age. Today, it's been over 2,000 years ago uh, since Jesus uh, was was buried, was certainly died and was buried and rose again right there about 2,000 years. And it's been that long. And he gave us a mandate. He gave us a commandment. Well, what is it? Well, we refer to it as the Great Commission. And this is what Jesus said. Now, notice this is not what Pastor Brian said and what Brother Harold said. Ain't what Brother Wayne said. It ain't what your mama said. It ain't what your daddy said or grandma and grandpa. This is what God said to you and I, and it was a command. Again, it wasn't a suggestion. He didn't suggest us to do these things. It was a command. Notice what he said in Matthew 28 in verse number 18. Keep in mind, he has died. He's been buried. He rose again. He's getting ready to ascend right before he ascended. This is the commission he gave unto the church. Matthew 28 and verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Now watch this in verse 19. This first word is go, and that, that denotes an action. To be acts, to have action attached. He said, Go ye, therefore, watch this, and teach all nations. What are we here to teach all nations? Well, we're to teach the Word of God from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, everything in between. More specifically, the gospel of the Lord Jesus. If you're here today and you've never been saved, you've never seen Christ Jesus as your Savior, that is your need. That's my responsibility to tell you you need to get saved and miss hell and you can gain heaven one day as a believer. That's our responsibility to a lost and dying world to teach all that. Tell them about the love of Jesus. Tell them about the mercy of Jesus. Tell them about the grace and the forgiveness that he alone can offer to whosoever will. That's what we are to teach them. Then what are we to do when they receive it? He said, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them. Who's that? Those that you teach. Those that have received Christ. Baptize them in the name of the, watch this, the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. You will hear that down there at the river if you come down there today. Right before somebody goes under the water, whose authority? Well, I don't do it on Brian's authority. I don't do it on Faith Community Baptist Church's authority. We baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Why do we say that? Why do we do that? That's what God said to do. That's why we do what we do. Why do we baptize, folks? Because Jesus said to go ye action. Go ye therefore and baptize, the Bible said. Them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Look at verse 20. Teaching them to observe. In other words, to observe and to follow all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you all way, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now let's pray. Father. As we bow in your presence, God, again this morning, I say thank you for the good word of God. I thank you for the good singing we've already heard. And Lord, I confess every sin. I pray that you cleanse us of any unholy thought, God, that's in our heart or mind today. I ask God that you'd guide our thoughts as we preach through this, this message you placed upon our heart again. I pray for clarity of mind. I pray that no person could walk out of here 
in, in a way and without a clear understanding of what you have commanded and, Lord, not suggested but commanded to the New Testament church age. I pray if there's one here today or listening that's never been saved, never been born again, they don't know that heaven's going to be their home. They don't know that their sins have been forgiven. God, I ask that today would be the day of salvation. But I pray for that with them maybe walking in rebellion today or maybe even in ignorance so they don't understand the concept of believer's baptism. I pray that today that the spiritual blinders would be taken off. God, help them to see what you have said, and we'll give you thanks. We'll give you praise for what you do for we ask these things in Jesus' name. All God's people see it. Amen. Here in a very familiar passage of Scripture out of Matthew, uh, chapter number 28, it is the commission that was given unto the church. Now, just by sort of way of introduction, let me say there's several responsibilities that I have as a pastor of the church. Man, I, I love visiting folks, and, and I love to go see folks in the hospital, but that's not my primary responsibility. My primary responsibility is to preach unto you the Word of God. Again, not my philosophies, not my ideas, but what does God expect? What is the commandments, not suggestions? What does He tell us in His Word? And I'm to do that without apology. Now listen, sometimes the Word of God offends folks, and I get that. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even through the dividing asunder soul and spirit and of the joints of the marrow is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart Hebrews 4 and verse number 12 lets us know that but the word of God is what's needed today it's what it's what's necessary for us today to have a right relationship with God the Bible still said in Romans 10 17 faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God the word of God is that source man that's what we got to tap into to find out how in the world can I be saved. It's in the Bible. How do we know heaven's real? It's in the Bible. How do you know hell is a real place? It's in the Bible. How do I know, preacher, I can be forgiven my sin? It's in the Bible. How can I know the way? Thank God there ain't but one way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. How can we proclaim that boldly? It's what God said. It's what he expects. It was not a suggestion. But when it comes to the Word of God, we understand that our responsibility is to preach the Word. Paul told Timothy this, 2 Timothy chapter 4, and verse 2, Preach the Word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. And that long-suffering is that patience. A lot of times you see folks living and they're doing the wrong thing. It's not my responsibility to, to whip them back into shape. It's my responsibility to preach on it, to reprove, to rebuke with all long suffering and doctrine. My responsibility is to share the word of God. I can't make anybody do anything. Can I get a witness right there? It's a choice, but it's my responsibility to sound like a trumpet as Isaiah. God told Isaiah, Isaiah 58, verse 1, he said, Lift up thy voice like a trumpet and show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sin. And one of our responsibilities is to preach the word. The second thing is this. We're to earnestly contend for the faith. I owe it to the generation that instilled it in me. I owe it to the next generation that's following on after me to earnestly contend for the faith. We stand on some things. We stand on the Word of God. In Jude, there's only one chapter in the book of Jude. It's the last book prior to the book of Revelation in our Bible. It said in verse number 3, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Some folks say, man, why, why do you get so emotional? Why, do you, why, do you, why are you so stern on the Word of God? Because it's our responsibility to preach the book, to preach the Bible, to preach the Word of God, but then to earnestly contend for the faith. There's something that's absolutely critical and something that's absolutely needed in, in our churches today. We need consistent theology. Consistent not blowing around with every wind of doctrine. Well, you know, I, maybe God said this, and maybe God really thought this, and maybe maybe he didn't. No, no, no. Uh, some things are just crystal clear. And what we're talking about today, baptism, I mean, it is, it is clear as a bell. There's no way to monkey that up. No way to misinterpret that when you look at the Word of God. But when you look at it, man, we're to contend for the fact, again, I owe the last generation. I owe the next Next generation to tell the truth. This is what God has said. So my responsibility is to preach the word, earnestly contend for the faith, and then to stand on the word of God. 
Not to back up, not to lay down, not to crawl. Amen. But to do it with, boy, y'all quiet this morning. Well, listen, we need, and it's, I'm gentle right now. Think about this. We got to stand. Ephesians chapter number 6, verse number 14 said, Stand therefore, having your loins girded about with truth. And when God was talking about the, the whole armor, putting on the whole armor of God, it all starts with truth. He didn't start with a helmet. He didn't start with a sword. He didn't start with a shield. He said, Have your loins girded about with truth. That would have went around the midsection. That's what held everything together. Truth is what holds everything together today. Why have we got so much error today? Because there's been a lot of deviation from the truth. There's not as much proclaiming of the truth as there once was. We got all kinds of channels. We got, we got technology that truth goes out. But I'm saying by and large, it's not sounded from the housetops like it once did. Even here in the Bible Belt and in America. Folks have tolerated things and, and now they've embraced things. And well, preacher, you just got to realize it's 2023. We live in a different country. It don't matter what kind of culture you live in. It don't matter what kind of society you live in. Listen, God's word is forever settled in heaven whether we believe it or not. But it's our responsibility to preach it, to earnestly contend for it, and to stand upon it. Well, with that being said, Jesus told the church and told us, that we're to teach all nations, we're to baptize them in who? The, the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. You will hear those words today if the Lord permits us to get down there. But why is baptism so important? What's the big deal, preacher, with baptism? It's a big deal. The Lord Jesus commanded us to do it. And, and if, no, if I told you nothing else, that should be enough. He told us. <laughs> It wasn't a suggestion. He told, why is baptism important? Well, first off, did you know, and a lot of folks, and I'm not going to take for granted everybody knows this, Jesus was baptized himself. You say, well, no, wait a minute. Why was Jesus baptized? I thought you said he was perfect, and he was without blemish. He, was, he had no sin. He didn't have any sin. But he was baptized. Well, why was he baptized? Well, I'm going to try to explain that. In Matthew chapter 3, verse number 13, the Bible said this, Then come a Jesus... From Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. Now, if you'll remember, John the Baptist was preaching a baptism of repentance and remission of sins. And when people would come, they'd believe the word of God. They would be baptized. It was symbolized that they had repented of their sin. It was an outward expression that they had received the truth of God's word at what John was preaching. So here comes the Lord Jesus unto John. And the Bible said in Matthew chapter 3, But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and camest thou to me. Now, boy, John, he understood this. John was the same one in John chapter 1, and about verse number 30, he made this statement, John the Baptist. He said, He, the Lord Jesus, must increase, but I must decrease. John knew his place. Jesus comes to him. John's been preaching a baptism of repentance. Here comes the Lord Jesus, and God's already revealed unto him that that's the Savior of the world. Because in John 1, 29, when he seen him, he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. He recognized Jesus. Jesus comes on the scene and said, John, I need to be baptized of thee. And John basically said, Not, not so, Lord. I, I don't need to be baptized you. You need to baptize me. But notice what Jesus told John as you read on in Matthew 3. And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now. In other words, allow it to happen. You, I need you to baptize me, John. For thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. And I'm coming back to that in just a second. Then he suffered him or allowed him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up. Straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. Now, why is baptism important? Well, Jesus was baptized. Well, why was he baptized? It's explained in that, in that whole text right there, Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 to verse number 16. He comes to John. John said, man, I need to be baptized to you. Jesus said, no, suffer it to be so. And sure enough, John did, because Jesus said... It becometh to fulfill all righteousness. What does that mean? Basically, what that means in a nutshell is this. Why did Jesus have to be baptized that was perfect, without blemish, without spot, without any sin? He was baptized, watch this now, to be identified with sinners. 
He's without sin. He's without blemish. He's without spot. But to fulfill all righteousness, Jesus knew he needed to be identified with sinners in a baptism of repentance, although he was without blemish. He was without spot. And when he went down to the water and came up, he was identified with sinners. Now, that's important as we move forward. Baptism, we know this. Why is baptism important? Well, Jesus was baptized in order to be identified with us. But why in the world are we baptized? We're baptized to be identified with Him. Yeah, man. Baptism is a mark of identification. Let me put it to you this way. Uh, if you work for a company, let's say if you work for Brother Allen, work for Brother Allen Davis, and you got a shirt or you got a hat or you got one of those, it's not a sombrero, but one of those hats to keep the sun off your head that I have to have because I ain't got many shingles on the roof. You, it's, got, it's got Marvin's Garage Doors on the hat. Got a Marvin's Garage Door logo right here. A Chosen. Brother Brandon, of course, the president of Chosen Outdoors. You get Chosen stuff. You get one of those beanies or toboggan or, or certain equipment or stickman, a sticker that you put on the back of the truck and it says Chosen. You've got that on your vehicle. You've got that on your lapel. You've got it on your head. You're identified with that company or, or that whatever it is. You're identified by wearing that clothing. Well, why is baptism important? Why are we going down to the river today? Because there are several that have called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10, 13. They do that. We take them down to the water. That water ain't going to wash their sins away. Their sins already gone if they've trusted Christ. But as they go down in that water, they go under the water, which is a picture of being buried with Christ. They're raised to water. Walk in newness of life. It's an outward display. It's an outward profession that, hey, I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is baptism important? Jesus was baptized to be identified with sinners. Why are sinners baptized to be identified with the Savior? The best way I can explain it, Romans 6, verse 3 and 4. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. Now, the only way to be identified with Christ is to be fully submerged under that water. To be symbolized, to be buried with Christ and then raised to walk in newness of life. He goes on to say in Romans 6 and verse 4, That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. You will hear that statement today from the bank's of the river. We're going to baptize folks in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Why do we do that, preacher? Because God said to do it. Why do we put them under the water and then they, they come up and raise to walk in unison of life? Because that's what God said in His Word. Well, why is baptism important? Jesus was baptized to be identified with sinners. We're baptized as a mark of identification to be identified with the Savior. I'll say this, baptism is the, and we're still on the importance, and we're still on, on introduction. We'll get there momentarily, but just understand this, that baptism, when you think about it, it's the next step after salvation. Folks don't get saved and then join the church. Folks get saved, then they get baptized by immersion, then they can join a local assembly somewhere. Amen. How do you know? Well, Acts chapter 2, verse number 41, the Bible said this. Then they that gladly received his word, they, they've heard the word of God preached, they've received it by faith. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. They wasn't baptized until they received the word of God by faith. But when they had fell on their face, they called on the name of the Lord for salvation. They received the word of God. They were baptized. And then the Bible said, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. There is your biblical order. An individual is to be saved by grace after they hear the word. Word of God. They call on the name of the Lord. They're to be baptized by immersion. Then they're to join a local church somewhere. Yeah, man. It's an important thing. It's an important thing to consider about your soul. Number one, if you're not saved, that's your greatest need. Is to call on the name of the Lord. The next order of business is to be baptized. The next order of business 
it is to get involved in a local church. Now, I'm going to make a statement that's probably going to uh, blow somebody up like a banny rooster, but it's going to be what it's going to be. It's a serious thing to call on the name of the Lord and then to go have a public display and profession coming up out of that water. You're identified with Christ and then come up out of the water and live like the devil. <laughs> These things ought not so to be, as James put it. Yeah, man. And it's a serious thing too. All right, preacher, I want to be baptized today, but I ain't got no desire to come to church. You better, you better reconsider. <laughs> All I can do if a person says, hey, I've trusted Christ and I want to be baptized, that's between you and God, and I'll do it. I'll try my best to. But I'm going to take folks down to the water right before they go under. They've got to publicly say, hey, I've, I've asked Jesus Christ to save myself. If you don't say it, your hind end is going to march right back up out of that water. Amen. I ain't playing no games when it comes to that. But an individual, it's between you and God. All right, hey, I, it ain't, shouldn't be a flippant thing. Well, I'm going to go, oh, my buddy's getting baptized. I'm, I'm going to get baptized too. That better not be your motivation. Your motivation for getting baptized is thank God you've got your sins forgiven. You know you ain't going to hell. You know you're going to heaven. And man, I want to prove to everybody that my life belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's a serious thing. If you have no concept that you're, you've trusted Christ and you're not going to live for Christ, you better not get baptized today. <laughs> so that's awful stern, preacher. Well, listen. If you have noticed that the order is this, is to be saved. Number two is to be baptized. Number three is to get involved in a local church. Amen. Same day they were added. There was a membership role. And I never told anybody, you got to join Faith Community Baptist Church. You need to be involved somewhere. Amen. Why is that? Again, God didn't suggest it. It was a commandment that he gave to you and I. Now, why is baptism important? Jesus was baptized to be identified with sinners. We are baptized as a mark of identification to be identified with Christ. We understand that baptism is the next step after salvation according to the Bible. You don't get baptized and then get saved. No, you get saved and then you get baptized. But listen, there's four or five things that God has laid out. And I've already hit a couple of them really in, in, in introduction. And boy, if the devil could distract right now, he's going to do it. I, I can already feel the, 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 the raging flames of hell on me because somebody's probably already rejected the Word of God. And if you ain't rejected, you're getting ready to. And the devil will do anything he can to break into a service, to break the convicting power of the Holy Ghost of God. Boy, we just going to plead the blood over this service right now because we sure do need his presence. We need his help right now to deal with somebody's heart that's on their way to hell or somebody that's living in rebellion as to what God has said. There's a mandate about baptism that is found in the Word of God. And we just read it. He said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. That is a mandate from the throne room of heaven. There's two ordinances we hold to. One is communion. One is baptism. Others hold a foot washing. I'm not going to throw cast stones about that. That's about humility. Man, if you wouldn't humble yourself and wash somebody's feet, something ain't right between you and God. Amen. Unless it's some kind of physical thing. All that is is about humility. But John 13, basically the premise of that in the context was talking about forgiveness. Man, I'm not going to throw rocks. Somebody wants to wash feet. Man, that's a good picture of humility. But we hold to communion and baptism. That's what we hold to. And it was a mandate that the Lord gave to us. Now, I will say this. Water baptism is not essential for salvation. Now, did you understand what I said? Amen. Water baptism is not necessary. It's not essential for salvation. Thief on the cross got in. Amen. Yeah, man. Church of Christ, they, you know, they'll take one verse out of context. We'll look at it here in just a minute. Say, well, you got to be baptized by water to go to heaven. Man, I, I know I'm going to see that thief one day. You say, hey, you know, because Jesus promised him, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. But there's a mandate to be baptized, but you got to understand that it's not essential for you to be saved, but it is essential for you to be in the will of God. Now, everybody understand it? I hope you understand the difference in that. 
Water baptism is not necessary for you to be saved, but for you to be in a perfect standing with God if you've received Christ and you haven't been baptized by immersion. Some folks just don't know. Then others are just, I mean, they've got a clenched fist in the face of God and said, I'm not going to do it. Now, that's rebellion. Now, first, I'm running rabbits here, Brother Howard. You pray for me. First Samuel chapter 15, verse number 23 said, Rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as idolatry and iniquity. Somebody that says, well, I'm not go- I've trusted Christ, but I'm not going to be baptized by immersion. God said, you're a witch. Rebellion is as the same as witchcraft. That ain't what the preacher said. That's what God said. Look it up. First Samuel chapter 15 and verse number 23. Why is it so important? It was mandated by God. God wants us to be identified with Christ. Think about this. There's a lot of folks that are loyal to denominations. Well, I'm not going to get baptized because I belong to such and such church for so many years. Well, listen, they've been in error. You need to get out of that mess. Amen. A lot of folks will go to their grave, listen to what mom and daddy said in their denomination, rather than the Bible. It goes on in Yadkin County and East Bend, North Carolina all the time. A lot of folks will not follow. A lot of folks won't receive Christ because they've been told, faith good to their brother, good to their neighbor, God will let them in. Well, that's a, that's a false doctrine. You'll die in your sin. You'll split hell wide open one day. Jesus is still the only way. But there's those who say, well, you know, I just don't believe we ought to be baptized. By, well, listen, again, you've got that clenched fist in the face of God. God is the one that mandated the Word of God for us to be baptized. Some are loyal to denominations. Again, it's not optional for the New Testament believer. Again, we ain't talking about it wouldn't matter if we had Baptists on the church out here or not at this particular point. If a person gets saved, the next order of business is to be baptized as a mark of identification, being identified with Christ. That's, that's not difficult to understand whatsoever. There should be no controversy whatsoever when it comes to water baptism. The Scripture makes it crystal clear it was mandated by God for us to be baptized or to be baptized. Now, there's also the myth. I've hit on this some as well. There's the myth of water baptism. If you talk to 20 people, what do, you, what do you think about water baptism? Somewhere in those 20 people that you hit on, they're going to say, well, water baptism is necessary for salvation. You'll come across somebody that's going to tell you that. If you want to go to heaven, you've got to be baptized by water. Some, well, that's a myth, by the way. It's false. And to make that statement is blasphemous to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that crowd, Church of Christ, in specific, I mean, specifically, I mean, you say, preacher, why should you say that? Because that's what they teach. They teach that a man and a woman must be baptized by water to go to heaven. I mean, that, is, that flies as blasphemous in the face of God because, Brother Ed, that says that Jesus ain't enough. Hey, I'm here to tell you on the authority of the Word of God that Jesus was enough. He is enough. Thank God. I don't care where you've been. You say, preacher, I've messed up my life. I've monkeyed up my life. I've been in some hell holes in this world. I got sin. I got a past. Well, just join the crowd, man. All of us have got to pass. But I'm here to tell you on the authority of the Word of God that that water baptism cannot clean you up. It cannot convict you of sin. It cannot change your life. Oh, but listen friend, when you yoke up by faith to the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm glad to report to you today that you can have your sins forgiven. Thank God for the sufficiency of Christ. But the myth is this, you got to be baptized in water to go to heaven. That flies in the face of God. It's a smack in the face of the Lord Jesus. It says that he ain't enough, but I'm here to blow that myth out of the water. Jesus is not only enough, he's more than enough. You got the mandate. Jesus said do it. The Word of God said do it. You got the myth. Some folks say, well, you got it. And this is a scripture they use, Acts 2 and verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, repent, comma, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, comma, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Total misrepresentation of the Word of God. That one verse is what they build their whole doctrine on. Well, listen, 
You've got to look at the totality of the Scripture. Later on in the next chapter, in Acts chapter 3 and verse 19, listen to what Peter said. He said in Acts 3 and verse 19, Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. A repentance, repentance is a change of mind. Conversion is a change of heart. Now we can change our mind. Oh yeah, we can do that. That's what repentance is. It's turning away from our sin to the Savior. Conversion is the only thing that God has to do that. Man, I can't change a heart. You can't change a heart, but God can. But when you turn in repentance from your sin to the Savior, that's where conversion can take place. He didn't say you had to be baptized by water to be forgiven of sin. Listen to this in Acts 10. As the gospel went out into Caesarea, Philip or, or Peter's preaching again. In Acts 10 and verse number 44, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because it on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God, then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? Now he's talking about Gentiles. They had already see, received the gift of the Holy Ghost. See, when you get saved, the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of us. It sure does. And, and that's what's taking place. He said, can anything forbid these fellows from being baptized? In verse 48, and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they to tarry, prayed him, they him to tarry certain days. What he's saying there is, Repentance comes first, turning from your sin to the Savior, then baptism. Again, the myth is this. Some folks say, man, water is necessary. Begin a thief. How, how are you going to get around a thief, our man, that died and went to heaven, and he's there in the presence of the Lord? It's sort of based upon this water. Baptism cannot convict the heart, cannot cleanse the heart, cannot change the heart. Only a personal relationship with Lord Jesus Christ can do that. We see the man. i got to move. We see the mandate. Now listen, I want to give this, this, this is important. Every time that we're preaching for the blessed word of God, it's important. But this subject right here has been so misrepresented through the years, and some folks just, just they, they don't want to hear it, they don't want to deal with it, but this is what God has mandated for us today. And, but there's the myth, but there's also the mode, the mode of baptism. What do you mean the mode of baptism? Well, there is a mode behind it. I want you to listen to this. Some say... That sprinkling is all right. Every once in a while, I run into them down at the hospital. Got their collars turned around backwards, and what they'll have, they got a little black bucket. Looks like it looks like a brother Wayne. It looks like a little chicken. One of those big pots we cook chicken stew under. That's what it looks like, but it's it's got a top on it. And inside there, they got some holy water. <laughs> Gonna go in. Or they'll christen the baby. All their sins are forgiven. What hogwash that is. Amen. Hogwash. You won't find that anywhere in the Word of God where sprinkling identifies anybody with Christ. You say, well, wait a minute, preacher. I grew up. Well, you just grew up in errors. All I can tell you, if you were taught that mess. Because the mode of baptism is to be completely submerged under the water. The word baptize comes from the Greek word baptizo, which means to dip, immerse, and fully submerge. Now, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand that's what God laid out in his word. Now, John, how do we know that John baptized that? Well, he didn't sprinkle. Why? What, what did he do? They were submerged under the water. Listen, certainly implied in John 3 and verse 22 and 23. After these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea, and there he tarried with them and baptized. There's that word, baptized, dip, immerse, fully submerged. Bible said, and John also was baptizing in Anon near to Salem because there was much water there. Why did they need much water? To dip them completely underneath the water. Bible said they came and were baptized. I read that scripture earlier. You probably didn't get it. Matthew chapter 3 and verse number 16, Jesus was baptized, fully submerged under the water. How do you know? The Bible said in verse 16 of Matthew 3, and Jesus, when he was baptized, went up, went up straightway out of the water. He wasn't sprinkled. 
He was submerged under the water to be identified with sinners because we were buried in sin, man. And he knew no sin, but he was identified with sinners. The mode, what is the correct mode? That, that to be submerged under the water is the only uh, mode that symbolizes our salvation, is to be buried with him, I read that scripture a while ago, Romans 6 and verse 3. Know ye not, as so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Again, to be under that water. That's the correct mode. To be buried with Christ. Submerged. Deep. Fully submerged. You're identified with Christ. You see the mandate God gave? Is that hard to understand? Jesus said to be baptized. The myth, well, water baptism, yes or no, Jesus is necessary for your sins to be forgiven. The mode of baptism is to be dipped, fully immersed in the water. Well, who are the members of baptism? Now, pay attention right here. Somebody said, well, preacher, anybody can be baptized. Or be baptized. That's wrong. Absolutely wrong. Not everybody is to be baptized. Well, now, wait a minute, preacher. You said there's a mandate that people are to be baptized. That's exactly right. But you've got to understand the members of baptism. Who should be baptized? Only those that have called on the name of the Lord for salvation. Amen. 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 <laughs> How many have we seen that have come down, they made a profession of faith, and they, they're buried under the water, and they live like the devil? Well, no life change, no nothing. Man, you make a mockery of Christ. Because when you make that public profession that, man, I, I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, it's a serious business. Sort of like this, we represent three things, and I think I hit this maybe Wednesday night. Did you know that all of us, when we make a decision, we do something, we represent our family. The proverbial writer talks about that name, man, it's, it's better than, than rubies. You, you, you can't put a price tag on your name. You do something wrong, you do something in the negative sense, it, you represent your family. Second of all, if you belong to a church, <laughs> you do something wrong, everybody say, then they're going to identify whatever church you belong to, to you. Amen. You bring a reproach to your family, you'll bring reproach to your, to your church, but then the most important one is, if you say that you've trusted Christ and you go down and you're baptized, man, I, my life's committed to Him. And then you go out and live however you want to. You bring a reproach to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then people, how many people have been, have been struck by this stumbling remark? Well, I ain't going to church. There's a bunch of hypocrites down there. Well, listen, friend, I don't care what church you go to. Some of you may think the grass is greener on the other side. But if you decide to go from faith or wherever you want to go, somewhere else, you're going to find out that the same people made out of the same stuff, whatever church you want to go to. There's hypocrites everywhere. That old sister Maud Johnson told me years ago, I remember when she got saved and she come to church. And, man, she said her big hang-up was she didn't want to come down there with a bunch of hypocrites. I remember at her funeral, I shared that uh, several years ago, Brother Dennis. She made this statement. She finally come to the conclusion. She said, well, you know what? I, I, I might have to go to church with a bunch of hypocrites. I'd rather go to church with them than to stay out of church and go to hell with them. There's going to be hypocrites everywhere. But if you say, hey, I've trusted Christ, and you go get baptized, and you ain't serious about it, and you really ain't, you really hadn't committed your life unto Christ, I, I beg you to reconsider about being baptized. Hey, man, let me run that rabbit again. If you're here today, you say, well, I'm going to go down there and I'm going to get baptized. I'm going to show everybody that I'm identified with Christ. This ain't a flippant thing. It's a serious order of business. Yes, it was mandated by God for us to do that. Well, who are the members that are to be baptized? Only those that have genuinely put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because just as sure as you go down there and you get identified with Christ, you come back up and you identify and you go back out and live like, like the devil himself, you're going to bring reproach to your, your family name, your church name, and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who should be baptized? Only those 
that have been saved. You want some Bible? I'm going to give you some. Whether you really want it or not, Acts 16 and verse number 30, the Bible said this. Of course, this is dealing with Philippian jailer. And brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So if somebody says, Hey, preacher, what must I do to be saved? This is what God said. Ain't what the preacher said. Ain't what the deacon said. Ain't what faith said. This is what God said. Acts 16 and verse 31. And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Boy, that's enough. He said, In thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and all that were in the house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized. Why was he baptized? He was baptized after he received Christ. That's who are to be baptized. Again, Acts 2.41, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. I'm going to close with this. Preacher, what's the importance of baptism? Jesus was baptized to be identified with sinners that were buried in sin, although he knew no sin. It's a mark of identification. We are buried with him under the water to be, to be in Christ and raised to walk in newness of life. There's the mandate of baptism. I don't want anybody to walk out of here with ignorance and say, Well, man, you know, I, I really don't know what God expects. No, it's not my expectation. It's God's expectation. Once you receive Jesus Christ as Savior, you ought to be baptized by immersion. The myth is, well, if I get baptized by water, then my sins can be washed away. No, your sins are washed away by trusting Christ. But you're identified with that Savior when you go down in the water and come up. The mode, there's only one mode. Correct biblical mode. Baptized to dip, to immerse, to fully submerge. The only way that you're identified with his death is to be fully buried under that water. It's a mark of identification, a symbol that you're raised to walk in unison of life. The members of baptism, who in the world should be baptized, preacher? Only those that have made a conscious, serious decision. You know what? I've trusted Christ. I want to live for Christ. I'm proving it today to everybody to see that I'm committed to Christ. From this point on, my, it's not my life, it's Jesus' life. Amen. That's what baptism is. What's my motivation, preacher? What should be my motivation? Sister Savannah's coming. Your motivation, now listen now, if you ain't heard nothing else, get this. I'm, I'm wrapping this thing. We're coming in for a ground landing. What should be my motivation for getting baptized? Well, I'm going to get baptized because Grandma said it's what I should do. I'm going to get baptized because Mom and Daddy told me that's what I should do. My Sunday school teacher told me that's what I should do. The preacher said that's what I should do. No, your motivation ought to get for you to be baptized after you've been saved is because God told you to. Period. <laughs> it's not what the preacher said. It's what God said. It was a mandate. But it's a serious business. This ain't just some flippant thing. It's some, not just some ordinance that, that we go through that has no significance and has no meaning because it does. And I take it serious. We all ought to take it serious. It's a serious thing to be identified with the King of kings and the Lord of lords that left the splendors of heaven to come down here to suffer, bleed, and die so I could go to heaven, so you could go to heaven. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as Savior, man, that's your greatest need. I don't want to see him by die lost and go to hell. Hey, I got something even better than that. God don't want to see him by die lost and go to hell. It's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 2 Peter chapter 3 lets us know that fact. It's chapter 2. But listen, what's your motivation? It should be this. 1 John, excuse me, John 14, 15. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Hello friends, this is Brian Poindexter, the pastor of Faith Community Baptist Church located at 2216 Hennings Road in East Bend, North Carolina. We're so grateful to have you listening to our CD ministry that's been provided as an outreach of our church. It's our desire and focus at Faith Community Baptist Church to preach and teach the whole counsel of God to a lost and dying world, to equip the saints of God for service, and to encourage the elderly and shut-ins who cannot attend services due to physical ailments. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Sunday school for all ages, and our Sunday school hour is followed by our worship service at 11 a.m. with old-fashioned singing and preaching from the Word of God. 
We meet back every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our worship service. And every second Sunday night of each month, we have what's called an eat and meet service. After our 6 p.m. service, we gather in the fellowship hall for food and fellowship. On Wednesdays, we meet back at the church for our midweek worship service with choir singing and preaching again from God's holy word. Our ladies prepare a meal each Wednesday prior to our service from 5.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. I give you and your family a cordial invitation to be with us at any or all of our service times. Above all, you may be listening today, and maybe you've never made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, that's the greatest decision anyone can ever make in this life. Too many folks prepare for vacation. They prepare for retirement. They seem to prepare for everything, but sad to say, many make no preparations for eternity. The reality is very clear. We all will leave this world someday. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. You must understand that you are guilty before a holy God. Romans 3.23 said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The prophet Isaiah said in chapter 53 and verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You must understand that your good words, good works and good deeds will not get you to heaven. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible said, Therefore by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God. You must understand that you are loved. I'm thankful that in John 3 and verse 16 it said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5 and verse 8 declares, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You must understand and realize there's only one way to stand right before God. There's not many ways, there's only one. Jesus said in John 14 and verse number 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the apostles' message was very simple. There in Acts chapter 4, in verse number 12, they said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. You might ask the question, Preacher, how can I be saved? That's what the Philippian jailer asked in Acts chapter 16, verse 30 and 31. He asked Paul and Silas, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Romans 10, 9 said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You must ask God to save you. I can't do it. No one can do it for you. Romans 10, 13 said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you know you're a sinner, and if you're sorry for your sin, and you believe Jesus died for your sins, you simply have to ask him to save you. And I say, Preacher, how can I know for sure God will hear me? But first of all, the Bible tells us that we must be drawn. John 6 and verse 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which had sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Psalm 51 and verse 17 gives us the attitude we need to have when we come to God. It said there, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. If God draws you by conviction, and if you're sorry for your sin, you repent of them, if you believe Jesus died for your sins, and if you asked him to save you, then the Bible declares you've been saved. If you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you've been forgiven of all your sin. Romans 8, 1 declares, There is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Once a person has been saved, they need to be a part of a fundamental Bible-believing church where they can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. God calls us out of darkness and commands us to walk in light after we've been saved by His marvelous grace. If we can help you here at Faith Community Baptist Church in any way, feel free to contact us. If you have asked God to save you, please contact us, and we will send you some free literature to help you in your newfound life in Christ. Thank you again for listening to our CD ministry that's been provided by our church here, and may God richly bless you and your family is our prayer.